Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Waypoint Radio is made possible by Google Home, your at-home voice assistant. Well, we got what we wanted. Immersive Sims returned to the world from 2007 through the 2010s, but it turns out that no one else ever asked for this, and all the games apparently did not resonate with a larger audience. So let us look up and bear witness to the passing of this great age and mark the second death of the immersive sim genre. So that was Robert Yang writing on his Radiator Design blog in a post called, very appropriately, the second death of the immersive sim 2007 to 2017 and a dark prophecy for third-wave immersive sims. Uh, I'm Danielle Riendo, and I am joined by my wonderful co-hosts here on uh, Waypoint Radio. Uh, this is also episode 104, I should tell you that, and that was a, a point of contention going in, <laughs> making sure that we had the number right. Gotta so that should be the right number. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, Do we so have an episode zero? Oh, God, that's uh, really... Did we have an episode zero? I don't think so. I think it was episode one. I think we I mean, jumped we're all right good. in. Yeah. Started on one. Started on one. I think that's right. You are, of mm. course, hearing the voices of Rob Zachney. Hey, everybody. Patrick Levick. Go Cubs. And Austin, <laughs> and Austin Walker. What are you laughing at? That's what are you, a Nationals fan? No. Get over it. What? What? <laughs> Thanks, Trump. <laughs> this Get is what it. Trump has done to us. Really. Tearing us apart. Um <laughs> I just so, want to brief, briefly say up top, like, obviously, different intro today. Yeah. I think this gestures towards uh, a change in half of the Waypoint. Well, even half might be wrong. In, in Friday editions of Waypoint Radio going forward, yes. Danielle. Is that, is that about right? That's about right. I am going to be doing some hosting on Fridays, Hell which yeah. I'm very excited about. And uh, the Friday show is going to be a little more topical. It's not going to just be things that we're playing or, you know, specifically stories we've written, but it's going to be something that we pick from the world that's especially interesting to us. And it's a little bit of a freer format. I know that, you know, maybe sometimes we might be talking about something that isn't specifically a game or a game genre or that kind of thing. It's going to kind of depend as we go forward, but I'm really excited to try this out. And of course... (laughs) <laughs> the first thing I picked <laughs> is something so near and dear to my heart. And, of course, Robert Yang wrote this, I think, two days ago. I think it was on Wednesday. Uh, basically about, as we said, it's almost like, oh, he's, he's sort of heralding, like, the death of this wave, this incredible wave of really, really great games uh, in the immersive sim genre, especially this year and especially with Arcane's games. Uh, there's many, many points here, uh, but I thought maybe we would go into the first, which is, do we is there is there credence to this uh, that uh, my my favorite genre here, other than the three D platformer, my favorite genre, of course, is the immersive sim. I am the biggest prey stan on the face of the earth. <laughs> I was showing off my uh, prey for the Genesis cartridge right here. That is what that looks today. like. I, mm. <laughs> uh, no, this is just like when I went to a preview event. They just had uh, you know video cards uh, for, for people listening and not watching us live on Twitch. Oh yeah, sorry. Live on Twitch. <laughs> Danielle just held up a little black, like, little cartridge. Card- it's a little cartridge yeah. that has yellow on it and, like, a little indentation. It looked a lot like an yeah. old Genesis card. And I can only imagine what Prey on the what on the Genesis would have looked like. It God. does what Nintendo don't. God. I mean, I on. bet it would actually have looked kind of like the Shadowrun Genesis game. Yeah. Which was, like, open world exploration, um, lots of, like, uh, storytelling via text dumps, lots of emails that you read. Wasn't that the rare case where the there were actually like two different games on the, yes. the SNES and the Genesis, and that was one of those cases where the Genesis version was a better game, uh, if I remember have, correctly? They're both kind of interesting. The, I'm not uh, saying the SNES one was bad, but yeah. was, isn't it like both Gen- believed? It's like canonically thought that the Genesis one was like the better of the two. I think that the Genesis one was um, more inventive. Like like the SNES one was like uh, a exploration game with like with adventure game elements and the RPG elements and the Genesis one was like an early open world action RPG mm. uh, and like 
so good. Uh, that's all I'll say about that. I'm gonna not hide. That'll be a different episode <laughs> of Waypoint Radio when we talk about cla- when we talk about all the Shadow Runs. Shadow I games. have loved by Shadow, Austin Walker. Yes, exactly. The Shadow Shadows runs I've, I've gone run. On. You know, Milk Runs Gone Wrong. Yeah, <laughs> the Shadows I've Run is the good. The Shadows I've Run. Yeah, it sounds so poetic. It um, sounds so nice. So, so what do you think? I mean, like, you're the biggest stan of the immersive sim yep. on the on the call. I think in general we all like them. We've all been the people at our various outlets that have been the one person <laughs> who likes immersive sims. Yep. And then eventually we built a website where we all like these games. We like Dishonored. We like Deus Ex. Um, so I'm curious, but you're definitely of us, probably still the biggest fan of them. Do you think it's dying? Do you think it's dead? Do you think like what is Robert Yang's case here, and and do you buy it? Well, I'm going to read another little quick paragraph from here. Because sure. he, he kind of lays out a lot of, of his argument of why they're probably dying, and it's sad. I wrote down in my in my notes, show notes here, it is Dishonored 2, Death of the Outsider, and Prey all came out within a year. Within, yes, within a year. Like, obviously, uh, Dishonored yeah. 2 was 2016, but it was at the very end of 2016. So three phenomenal games. Phenomenal, great, immersive sims. Uh, apparently didn't sell super well, and I'm pissed off. That is literally the note that I have here, and here's Robert Yang's uh, take on this. Uh, Fortunately, word on the street is that sales weren't very great for Arcane's recent immersive sims, Prey 2017, or Dishonored, Death of the Outsider 2017. Outside of Arcane, the faith has not been kept. (laughs) The Bioshock series ended with Irrational's closure. Square Enix, Eidos... And uh, a slight asterisk, I don't know if I would necessarily say that Bioshock's dead. Just... I know right. what he's saying. Yeah. Just saying, Bioshock will come back. It probably will. Take Two owns an IP. They're gonna figure out how to squeeze. They already. They already said they're making another Bioshock. So just. But I get. I get his point. I get yes. his point. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll just go on with this. But yes, point is very, very well taken. Uh, Square Enix Eidos has basically discontinued its rebooted Deus Ex series. The System Z 2016 Hitman reboot was critically acclaimed, but also sold off by Square Enix. Basically, big, expensive, complex, systemic single-player games are not exactly thriving in an industry now dominated by giant multiplayer titans that can sell a new hat and rake in millions. <laughs> Parentheses, also file under, why was there never a Half-Life 3? <laughs> so he's also angry at Valve, which is uh, fair, and so am I. <laughs> Lots of reasons to be angry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I think the, the main thing here, and of course this is, uh, you know, this is not a scientific analysis of the sales figures or anything like that. I don't think we necessarily know all the sales numbers, but it is... Uh, a very widely uh, sort of accepted rumor that sales have not been super great for a lot of these uh, amazing yeah. arcane games. I'm going to keep throwing the praise on because I think they deserve it. I think they're some of the best games coming out these days. Um, so forgive me, Father, but I am about <laughs> to praise. Okay. Uh, P-R-E-Y-S. Got it. Yes! We're going to have a lot of those, too. We're going to have some good puns. Yes, I love hosting. It's really fun. Uh, but yeah, I think a lot of us have heard <laughs> that sales have not been super great for a lot of these games. Uh, and it and it really sucks, and it makes me go to a place that I am not entirely proud of, which is, mm-hmm. why don't you people like these games? They're really good. These games are better than the games that you like. What's wrong with you? I'm going to grab my controller and go home, <laughs> which is, you know, a very mature attitude to have. But I think it's worth discussing. Have you also all kind of heard this sort of thing? And what what do you think it is? Is, is it that they're too compli- complex? I'm not sure are they not dying. marketed well? My actual, my actual answer is I'm not sure that they're dying. I think that these games didn't sell well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that the the tenants of them are actually spreading out into a wider audience via games like Watch Dogs 2. Um, via other open world games that have started delivering narrative through multiple vectors, uh, have started uh, allowing players to stretch their agency in different ways, um, and like come at an open world space and like do other stuff in it. Uh, I and I also have just seen a lot of attempts in, at in the small space, and I don't know that they're going to go away. Like. I have no idea what the next Campo Santo project is going to be, but I bet it's going to be a first-person story-first game. And mm-hmm. after t- seeing Fulbright do Tacoma, which was another first-person adventure game um, uh, with exploration and no no um, you know, challenge or, or whatever you want to like, talk about other gameplay elements, it's like exploration first, storytelling first. My suspicion is we'll, start, we'll continue to see elements of the immersive sim slip into those small budget games um which which to be fair 
you know, Robert Yang discusses a couple of those. He talks about yeah. um, uh, what was the one with that was like uh, ProcGen immersive sim that did well a few years ago with the really fun slides. You did slides and like fought monsters. Um, there were slides and monsters. How did I not play this? Whatever it was. Uh, they went on to the same crew went on to make Neon Struct, which was a, a cyberpunk immersive sim that came out a year and a half ago. Whoa. Uh, what the hell was it called? It had like a, and then they made one that was like, there. maybe it's still coming out, the one that's like Buffy the Vampire Slayer inspired. Oh, uh, Slayer, oh yeah. Uh, Eldritch. Eldritch is the one from Eldritch. a few years ago. I see, I see, which, yeah. Which I don't think is in the immersive sim wheelhouse yeah. in the sense that like it's about finding information about a story, but very much is in the immersive sim wheelhouse when it comes to like um, systemic interaction, player player goals, and and how they pursue them, um, and so it's like on one hand that is happening in the in the indie space, and on the other hand, the like Tacomas and the Gone Homes and the and all of the quote unquote walking simulators are doing the like let me explore this space and piece together a narrative, and I think that we're just gonna I hope maybe I'm being foolish like. <laughs> Patrick, you are the one who is like the most finger on the industry button. Like, is there just no money here to be made? Well, okay. I think there's uh, something very specific about the games mentioned in this piece, which is that, um, you know, Deus Ex, uh, Arcane was, uh, you know, co-founded by uh, someone who worked on the Deus Ex games. I think what we may be looking at is a very hyper-specific type of these games. Deus Ex, Human Revolution... And uh, mankind evolved, divided, w- divided, divided. Yeah. Uh, like those were just reboots of Deus Ex, using the Deus Ex lineage and f- and following uh, like remarkably close how those games were built uh, originally, especially the, the the original Deus Ex. And then Arcane was a studio built on, yo, what if we go make Deus Ex style games <laughs> like and do that under different, you know, Prey went in a more combat heavy route, and the Dishonored went in a very Deus Ex but put into a fantasy environment. Uh, sort of route. So I think it actually could be more the case that just this hype, like there were just a lot of this very specific way of making this very specific type of game and that there's some exhaustion there. This is something I pointed out um, when we were talking in our our Discord channel uh, yesterday was that both you, Austin, and you, Danielle, despite being like some of the biggest champions of this genre, did not find time in your personal lives to finish Dishonored 2, which I think is indicative, yes, we have busy lives, yes, that our, our jobs make it so that we have to bounce and uh, balance a lot of games. But if your self-professed favorite genre is you mm-hmm. couldn't find time to finish that game, I think that says something about sort of the larger interest in that hyper-specific type of building a game that something you love you couldn't find time to finish if you extrapolate that further to like a larger audience and how their disinterest would come to a genre and a certain type of approach. Um, and I think Hitman is not a good example because Hitman was more Square Enix like doing their finances. And Hitman was a success both critically and commercially to the point that IO Interactive is uh, already announced that they're doing a season two. They they have the IP. I think Hitman will end up doing really well all on its own. So I think... I think what what this blog is getting at is more that the Deus Ex hyper specific. I'm gonna dig through a bunch of drawers, <laughs> stealth action uh, sort of approach to how you're going to do combat. That one just may be a little bit exhausted. And then I think it's more along the lines of what you're saying, Austin, which is that the elements of the immersive sim are going to sort of like JRPGs and RPG mechanics mm-hmm. are going to flower out into a lot mm-hmm. of other genres, and you're just going to end up seeing a lot of games that do similar things to this, but may not necessarily be pigeonholed as an immersive sim, which is fine, because even I, after finishing Death of the Outsider, am sort of like, <sighs> like <laughs> I'm exhausted by by these games, and I did finish all of them, and I, <laughs> I, I like a lot of what they're doing, but I need it to take a rest, and I need like fresh eyes, like a new construct, a new uh, approach to it, because I like a lot what they're doing, but I, even I'm exhausted by uh, a lot of these games. At this you're point. like the opposite of us now, Patrick. We're like yeah. the favorite, <laughs> our best. And you're like, I beat them all, I'm done with them. I'm, I'm <laughs> more immersed than thou. Yes. Oh, man. <laughs> it is I who is immersed. I have honored you all. I have dishonored you all with my honor. The immersed uh, gamer is here. <laughs> no. We're all unwoke gamers here. I, I'm going to push back a tiny bit uh, and say that I, I put like 100 hours into Prey. Like, so Dishonored 2, right. love it. Absolutely love it. Still think it's amazing, but like, 
Prey was really the one for me. So I beat it, and then I immediately started right, but then, the game. But then, is it just that you love Prey? It's not that you love Immersive Sims. Like, oh, no, I love Immersive not, Sims. Not you Prey love... is, like, a cut above for me. Right, but, like, in other words, it might not be the things that you love about Prey or that it is are necessarily just the stuff that makes it an immersive sim, right? Like the things, some of the things you've spoken about that you love about Prey are like, mm -hmm. it's great storytelling, it's characters, mm -hmm. the fact that it's like rad lesbians in space. Yes. Like all of that could exist in a non-immersive sim. That's icing on the cake though, honestly, okay. uh, in terms of this game. So this is something that I think is actually really important before we even go forward, which is to, we don't need to do a Souls-like. Brooklyn definition of the immersive sim. We don't need a Brooklyn sim. definition, right. but we should, we should probably have some sort of groundwork for what's an immersive sim and what isn't an immersive sim. And also, I think it's actually also really instructive to talk about what we find appealing about immersive sims, personally. Mm -hmm. um, like for myself, and I, I've done a little soul searching on this, of course. Okay. Um, and like... For me as a, as a player, my other favorite genre also kind of goes into this, which is 3D platforming. I am completely interested in spaces and environments. I am completely interested in traversing spaces and environments. I'm completely interested in exploring them. I, I want to look everywhere. I want to go everywhere. I want to travel in ways that feel good. I want to get around in ways that feel good. Immersive sims do this, I think, better than most other genres, especially something like Dishonored where you have the blink power or the foresight power or things that let you kind of move around the environment in like surprising and interesting ways that actually feel mechanically good. I, for me, it is all about mastering a space. I think Prey does this better than any other game I've ever played, which is uh, to say that, yes, it is an investment to spend as much time in the game as I did, but if you do that, it does reward you with a feeling of like, absolute mastery over the space, absolute mm. mastery over not just the paths you can take to solve a problem. That is also interesting to me. And when I say that, I'm referring to you can get through stealthily, you can get through with hacking, you can get through with combat, you can get through with X, Y, or Z. Those things are interesting to me, absolutely. Uh, but we had had a conversation once, Austin, where you were talking about, yes, that that is interesting, but it's still like a, a fairly set number Limited. of paths. You know, there's, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's seven paths. We're picking an arbitrary number. Seven yeah. paths of getting through any situation. Um, more than that, for me, it is a feeling of not only do my choices matter, but I am absolutely the master of this space. I can use any tool at, at my disposal, and it, it is more sort of complete and organic picture of that than just that sort of, oh, there's different paths through the level. Right. So that's what it is for me that I love about Immersive Sims. And I think these games are so good because they both have that, and they also have level design that supports that. They have level design that is on that plane i almost said on that level <laughs> but on that plane mm. where the designer is almost having a conversation with you and offering you all of these choices all of these things none of these levels in these games so, feel flat to me i have a question which is like yeah what about there are games there's a spectrum of interactivity <clears throat> on that stuff where like sure. uh you know robert talks about the the bioshock games as being in the immersive sim lineage they're definitely in that lineage but they're often not what we mean when we say immersive sim which is we mean thief okay. deus ex we mean system shock 2 um with like a lot of stealth a lot of sneaking around and not as much like running up on someone and shooting them <laughs> um yeah and I think the Bioshock games, are, because they are big mass market hits, especially as the games continue to be released, like, were increasingly action games first and, like, the rest of those things. And if I want to, I kind of want to know if those also count for you, if those have the elements that you like in their level design and stuff like that, or if it's, if, if what you want is that other part of it that comes in from the kind of stealth heavy ones. Absolutely. Um, I think they are much simpler, <laughs> of mm -hmm. course, as you're saying, as immersive sims. I do think they still count because there are surprising things you can do in those games. They're okay. just not necessarily the thing most people did or the thing that uh, was, you know, tutorialized the best. I, I One of my, like, eight playthroughs through Bioshock, I did, uh, you, you know, pretty much barely touching the combat and making... The other things fight for me. So you, you cool. can do things like that. Again, it right. is not nearly on the level of like, uh, you know, completely hacking or completely stealth or completely, you know, the other things you can do in these other games, but there are elements of it. It's just not the thing that's on the back of the box, basically, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and I actually think two is the most immersive simi of the Bioshocks because there was an incredible system of, of sort of setting mm -hmm. traps and actually sort of uh, preparing for combat sequences that was fantastic and wonderful. That you could completely do that when you were sort of gathering Adam. You, you could uh, basically use a little sister as bait and you could create these incredible elaborate traps for splicers. And I got really into doing that. 
Uh, because to me, shooting is the least interesting thing you can do in these games, personally. That's just how I approach these things. Uh, so I had a lot of fun doing that. Uh, I think three, you're absolutely right, or infinite, whatever, uh, you're absolutely right, <laughs> uh, was the lightest on those elements. But the first two games had some, some surprising depth or some surprising, not necessarily surprising, but a little bit more going on under the hood in terms of how you could approach different worlds. I think that was much more on that, on that spectrum of like, oh, there's seven paths to the level or whatever. Maybe it was five right. in those games, but uh, less, less so absolutely than the Dishonored games, which I've put like many, many, many dozens of hours, but you're right. I did not finish I, one or I, two. <laughs> I'm going to like play my card right now, which is like, I want to lay my cards on the table, which is the thing that I'm trying to do is basically build the case that the immersive sim as we once knew it has already been diluted and spread across games mm -hmm. by which I'm uh, like, Rob is stalker an immersive sim. Uh, it's on all of the, immer I didn't think it was. And I was like, what are lists of immersive sims? And all of them include the stalker games. Hey, do you have Google Home? Well, now you can ask it to play Waypoint Radio. Keep your hands on the controller, eyes on the screen, and say, Hey Google, play Waypoint Radio. And without missing a shot, you'll be listening to us. Check it out with Google Home. Yeah, I mean, it has a lot of elements like that. I think the, the weird thing is Stalker is kind of bridging the gap between like an open world uh, shooter and mm -hmm. the immersive sim. Like, It's got inventory management, it's got some... Uh, I mean, th that's primarily it, is you are searching for things in the world, and there's a lot of environmental storytelling, and it's very demanding, and about sort of what Danielle was talking about. It's about, like, mastering a space, ma like, understanding the systems, animating it, and learning to traverse it uh, in, a, in a really rewarding way. So, yes, but I do kind of agree that a lot of times when we're talking about immersive sims, we're talking about Patrick's narrow and narrower... Uh, well, not you, not Patrick's interpretation, but yeah. the genre, the the term yeah, itself implies a narrower definition. Right, it's de uh, it's Deus, Deus Ex. Ex. It's just Deus Ex, right. which it's is just for like, me. Like, I want to blow that up because like it's also New Vegas. Like, it is also me going through a robot factory in New Vegas and piecing together how it's all built together and like what happened here and reading emails and notes from raiders and like. The reason I like those games is because they are extensions of that sort of same. For me, sorry, Danielle, for, for you, it was, uh, what, we, what did you say the big takeaway was, the reason you love these games, was understanding the space? Ma understanding and mastering the space and right. also having that conversation with the designers about right. how to master the space. Right. Basically. For me, yeah. the thing that I love about them is that they're really great vehicles for um, uh, kind of um, storytelling through archive, through marginalia, through like ephemera like how how can you tell stories inside of a space uh by way of like notes that you find uh, through way of looking at the, the pieces of someone's private life uh and that's why like i don't think fought the fallout games have anywhere near the good the level design of these like most recent arcane uh uh immersive sims but they also so, can't be by virtue of, of being as the scale that right, they're working right. on but also like the thing of course like for me it's like oh i love scale like i do love a huge space mm -hmm. and then going into a, a one that isn't maybe as clean as the dishonored levels are but pr still presents an ad an, an avenue for story telling and so in a weird way if that version of the immersive sim has died i've benefited from it because its pieces have been chopped up <laughs> and and distributed among all these other types of games that i really like it's the, um, it's the same way that i think uh like what does the term rpg mean right, anymore right. right so it's like rpg used to mean a very specific thing that was like endemic to like jrpgs and and baldur's gate like but th these days like RPG. I mean, video game genres are already like yeah. really uh, archaic and, yeah. <laughs> and and muddy and like don't really tell you anything. But I think we are seeing, you know, immersive sim really was just a way of trying to establish like wrap a genre on what Deus Ex um, and System Shock like did to the first person shooter. Like it was right. a subgenre in the way that like a Souls like or something like that. But I think what yeah. we really were looking at was was just building on this very specific interpretation of, of, of kind of like culminating with Deus Ex and then splintering off in these directions. And that actually what happens in the future is is we probably won't see as many games that are, well, until they inevitably reboot Deus Ex again, you know, in, in five to seven years. But, but that it becomes like the RPG where it just pieces of that proliferate everywhere and you just start seeing... It, in a lot of places where it will no longer become and like immersive sim will no longer be a descriptor it will just be an element that is pulled into, into other games and here's what I don't love about this uh, 
the immersive sim is all around us. It's in the it's in the air we breathe. <laughs> yeah. uh, Simba, when the immersive sim dies, uh, what is the real feed. world except for a big immersive sim? We're all yeah. living in. Have you listened to Elon Musk? Elon Musk has said we're all in a simulation. <laughs> what type of simulation? An immersive one because we're immersed in it. The 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 thing I don't love about it is it also is like pointing toward this future of like, yeah, great. You'll see elements of this genre that wrapped up. A ton of the a, a ton of mechanics and design conventions in a really satisfying package that really amplified like gave you the most intense and amplified experience of what the immersive sim could be. And now we'll see those ideas used to leaven the design of a whole bunch of boring ass products uh, that, <laughs> that millions you know, of people desperately will be need systems by, to right. Like I think Watch Dogs Two is like. Millions of people are going to play Watch Dogs 2 no matter what, because this is the world we live in. Thank fucking God those designers played Deus Ex games and learned how <laughs> to make a story, like, uh, turn those environments into something. Can you explain why, how, how that made its way into Watch Dogs 2? Yeah, like, so Watch Dogs like, 2, the, the thing that, uh, if you go back to, to read some of our critical writing about it at the time and just talking about it, each of its levels, again, like, like I kind of said about other games earlier, like, it did the thing of, okay, there are at least a couple of branches on how you want to get through this. Do you want to go in, like, guns blazing and, and kill a bunch of people? Or do you want to use your drones to sneak around and unlock the doors and read emails and hack people's, you know, phones and read about, you know, what the solution is to get into this locked door or whatever? Um, and in general, all of their level design was stepped up a notch to where it goes to what Danielle says she loves about the, the genre, which is, like, mastery of, of locations, mastery of, of movement, mastery of like, okay, I know I can thread the needle just so. Um, and I think that that stuff is like so cleanly inspired by these other games, uh, but then is, is uh, you know, built to be something that a wide audience who occasionally just like wants to pull out the AK is able to enjoy. And I'm not like, I'm not here, like, going, like, yeah, let's water down everything. Let's lowest common denominator. But if if my ver if the vision of the world, I want to make sure that we don't walk away from this piece thinking, I guess it's all just Watch Dogs 1 in the world now. It's all just <laughs> Ghost Recon Wildlands, where it's just, like, yes, we've, we, we are losing, or if we are losing this specific style, that sucks. But we should always say that along with what the how the rest of the industry has picked up from the work that's been done here i i never like to think about something like this as like it's wasted work do you know or, or oh yeah. those objects existed once um I, I always like to think about them on a continuum and like where does this point forward where where has this seeped out into the rest of of design I think uh, Rob actually said something fantastic in our chat the other day, and it gave me a little bit of hope about the world. Uh, and it was along the lines of, uh, there are too many incredibly smart people working in these mm. companies, working in game development, who love this kind of game to be hopeless about the genre, basically. Mm. I'm paraphrasing, Rob, you probably put this much more eloquently, <laughs> but that was a well, general idea, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, two things. Um, one, this is just, just an aside. The first death of the immersive sim, if you think about it, wasn't really that long. It just seemed yeah, long because we were all younger when it happened. When did it true. happen? Like, if I look like, at my, if I look at the list that I that I've been looking at for immersive sims, we're talking about like a year or two between something like Arx Fatalis and you know what I mean. Like, well, really, not... I think what people are thinking of primarily is. 2000 to 2007, mm -hmm. where you have Deus Ex, and then nothing in between that really mattered or hit. And then 2007, you start to see the new wave start. Yeah. Right. Which, seven years, That's when you were in your teens and early 20s, probably did seem like, man, what happened to that stuff back in the day? <laughs> but it's now, not seven years. Again, it's five years. Arx Talos comes out in 2002. That's an immersive sim. Like... I, I, this is the same thing for me as like the advent, the death of the adventure game. Like people kept making those games, they didn't hit. It's the, it's the yeah. Nobody that, played Arx Fatalis. Right, right, which <laughs> sucks because like, and I yeah. didn't either. Because like, I was the same, I was the same terrible person who was like, ah, I'm done with those. And like, I, I just, I, I, I mean, Bioshock was my first immersive sim. Oh, like really? if we're if we're being honest here, I never played PC games. I like right. this probably tells you a lot about how many technical issues I have with our work laptops, the PC laptops. But like, mm -hmm. I am so not a PC gamer, so I, I was completely not exposed to any of this until they became consoleified, which right. was you know the language at the time. Of course, there were a lot of very intelligent or people who were just like, 
oh, you know, Bioshock, okay, it's, it's good, you know, it's doing things well, but, like, it is, it is a little dumbed down for, like, you know, sort of those other... Deus Ex Invisible War came out in, 2000, in December of 2003. Like, that game's bad. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> um, but and it was also partially bad because they made it with consoles in oh, mind. absolutely. Like, part, of, part of the reason that, that Invisible War, that in retrospect, when Warren Spector and uh, Harvey Smith have talked about that game is that like it was built along like the the Xbox like memory architecture yep. and so it meant the levels were extremely small. I mean that game had a lot of problems that were not related to um, uh, the, the size of the levels, but it sounds like on a systemic level like it was kind of doomed from the start because they built it with consoles in mind and it yeah. kind of ended up sucking. But to the point Danielle was making and what we were talking about the other day, I do think what's changed now is. Uh, there are a lot of people working in AAA who have really sophisticated and advanced uh, technical skills mm-hmm. who love games like this and increasingly do not find that AAA rewards their creative d- direction desires. And so I do feel like both the, the, the human talent uh, required to produce games like this and then also development tools, uh, you know, just the... the Except like the increasingly uh, accessible design landscape, mm-hmm. uh, especially if you do have uh, pretty advanced like technical skills, does mean that it's unlikely we're going to see genres completely dry up and disappear because what small teams of people can do and and who those teams are has changed quite a bit, and I, I think does open the door to sort of the you know the big indie immersive sim mm-hmm. at, at some point, right? I don't know where I don't know that like the Gone Homes and Tacomas of the World and the Campo Santo games I don't know that they scratch that itch for me like mm-hmm. like there's no guard patterns to follow is what you're saying yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be that reductive it, about it's, it's scale. about it's, it's, it's I mean scale. it's sort of it right well it's it's not the sense of scale it's like I mean, Firewatch could have a much larger map if it wanted to, but the mechanic, like the, me- the well, sc- building scale the mechanics scope that on the larger, uh, how, how do I put this? Not just in terms of map size, but like the amount of things you can do, the amount of verbs as well, like scale in terms of gameplay as well as you know, sort of the the other definition but, of scale. But yeah. Basically, on the smaller independent space, like there is there are no, there are not resources, nor are there the like sort of like like uh, middleware tools to just drop in complicated AI right. and combat mechanics. Maybe that stuff will come as time goes on and that becomes just easier in, a, in the way that fidelity has caught up to a, a lot of smaller independent productions. But basically the reason, like there are lots of reasons that games like Gone Home and, and Firewatch like don't have interactivity with AIs, but like right. a large part of that, like a reason you have to, to scale it that way is because it's just not possible. So while yes, I, I, you know, the idea that some of these smaller teams will pick up the slack, well, yeah, but not really, because uh, because some parts of this, some parts of that itch aren't going to get scratched um, in in the same way. People should play Neon Struct. Is a thing I'm going to say right now. Uh, Neon Struct is a game. It's the game by the the team that did Eldritch, or at least one of the people on the team. Minor Key Games yeah. <clears throat> came out in in 2015, um, and uh, I actually did a quick look back when I was at Giant Bob of this. It is a it is a mission based immersive sim. So it's like you go to a space, you do the mission there, you move on to another space. It has AI patterns. It has very simplistic graphics. Like it is not a, it is not a look. It has a look, but it's not a looker. Um, sure. Uh, and for me, like it was kind of proof of concept that like yes, you could do this sort of game at this scale. Uh, it, it, it's nowhere near as narratively interesting. It's something like Gone Home or Firewatch or Tacoma, um, but it, but that isn't a lack of that isn't because of a lack of like possibility for me. Uh, I got obviously yes, I actually don't I don't know that you'll get something as complex or as like this isn't a great action game. It doesn't secretly become really cool when you get into a gunfight the way some Deus Ex games have, or it doesn't feel like you have a billion powers. But there are there are powers, there are interactions with with guards. Um, I think it has workshop support, so people can actually build levels and stuff like that too. Um, and I. I I guess for me, the actual question is whether or not the, the maybe the darker thing here isn't it's not possible. It's it's possible, but the audience isn't worth the time and money to, to hit it. <laughs> um, especially if if for instance the we, we we end up living in a world where the ACA gets repealed and nor, you know American U.S. game devs can't go out on a limb and and like get their their healthcare provided by uh, you know affordably or, or or whatever right like we will then see more people back in big AAA being like damn I really love that thief game and now I can't 
ever make anything like that. You my know? small thief. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah, my small thief. My small thief. That's the game I'm making. Just so you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. My little thief. My little thief. Um, yeah, that's the part I've been most pouty about and upset about is that uh, the the sense of scale. I I will play any anybody's smaller scale immersive sim or games that have those immersive sim elements. I thought Tacoma was fucking brilliant. Okay, I know I have to preface that that I'm friendly uh-huh. with people on the team. I know blah blah blah. Of course, of course, uh, cover my ass here. Uh, but I, I did. I thought it was fantastic, and I really, really liked it. I liked exploring that space. I like what it did with storytelling elements. I thought that was pretty innovative. Um, but I am always going to want Prey. I'm always going to want a game that lets me do a million different things. Verbs are interesting to me, and those kinds of spaces, whether they are uh, you know large in scale or if they're just large in terms of possibility space, I'm going to want that. I'm always going mm-hmm. to want that. Uh, it's kind of the only sort of big game I'm terribly interested in, if, if we're being honest. That and like the Zelda scale, which is the other side of this, this of course, is that right. you know, I've seen some reactions to this piece that were like, what about Breath of the Wild? Not saying it's an immersive sim, it's not, but it yeah. is a very, very, very large, uh, very systems intense single player game that takes, you could argue, certain elements of the immersive sim and kind of makes it its own and, and does interesting things with it. Yes, I'm, I'm always there for that too. I also totally think Breath of the Wild is uh, secretly a 3D platformer, so cool. You know, it's, it's scratching all the itches. Um, but yeah, that, that is one side of it uh, that I think is interesting and worth looking at. I, I, and, the, and the fidelity yeah, part is imp, is important, right? Like I yeah. part part of my part of the reason I like the new like dishonor. Like if you were to take dishonor and strip it down and give it an eldritch like aesthetic, I would like that game as much. Like part part of what makes the immersive sims like interesting to me is the fidelity aspect. Yeah. And so while stripped down to its mechanics um, and given like a really bare bones aesthetic, if that's like the compromise you have to make, like that's a compromise that. Comprom- like actually compromises what I find interesting about those games. Um, like part of what I like about Dishonored is like the handcrafted nature, not only of the levels, but of the storytelling that is possible at that fidelity. And when you lose that, at least for part of the reason I get into those, that hyper-specific type of game is that aspect of it. And when you've lost that, you've lost part of the reason that I want to play it. Mm. Yeah, these games are beautiful. <laughs> it's not, I don't Maybe think it's a bad thing at all to, to say like, yeah, it took a lot of people to create this many animations, this many art assets, this many, you know, interesting looking things to look at. I, I am interested as well in art styles that work for smaller games, absolutely, but yeah, you're not going to get facial animations in at mm-hmm. this point in like a smaller indie game. You're just not. That's why Tacoma looked the way it looked. They were sort of like bodies moving in space, but it wasn't, there were no facial animations. There weren't like hyper specific, you know, like gestural animations or things like that, because that that stuff costs way more money. That stuff costs the kind of scale that only AAA development is, is is attainable in at this point. At this point in time, I do. I hope there's a solution for that. Absolutely, but yeah, uh, yeah. I think all of that is points to something really interesting, which is that like, with rare exception, these games have have by and large never hit the way triple a action games hit or the way that triple a sports games can hit um and in that way they're like this really beautiful thing that happens every now and then which is someone has a vision that they can pitch that is so strong and so like beautiful that someone with a checkbook says like yeah i can imagine this like being wildly successful i'll make this mistake uh in terms of investment and like it's not a mistake for the art it's not a mistake for us as players it's a mistake in that like Sometimes, sometimes we get to trick the capitalists into letting us make beautiful art with their yeah. money, and like I can't wait for that to happen again. If it's another six years before someone like a Harvey Smith or, or other the many other people who design in this space like get that that blank check to make their big love letter to these games that they loved when they were younger, like that's going to be rad. I, I I hope maybe it does well. Like that first Deus Ex Human Revolution, not the first Deus Ex Human Revolution seemed to do well enough to get. Yeah, it's it's divided, I mean it's right? sold well, right? Like sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes the setting and sometimes you can sell people on the setting in a way that uh, masks what's really happening in the game, right? And that's why all, that's why some of these games like Deus Ex, uh, like Bioshock, they are they you have options that are not combat, but the reason they emphasize combat is because that's an easier way to onboard people yeah. to a genre that sure. is kind of weird. Sure. Um, and so it makes sense that those are the games that end up hitting in a public sphere because it. It literally gives people a, a, an easier way to get into something that can be a little uh, 
off-putting if, you ha- if you're not used to how they work. Sure, totally. So, folks. Yeah. I found the password to the Waypoint email Uh-oh. hidden inside the administrator's office, which I accessed through ShareDucks. Uh-huh. And I now have... A batch of emails related to this very topic. It starts with a zero. It starts with a four. I think there's another number. It's a four. Okay. Coming after that. Hold on. I'm getting another number. It's like a five. Oh, my God. We got a a real-life Karnaka I think there's a one after it. All right. (laughs) But that's the place Dishonor takes place in. That's... I did want to read, uh, before we go into the email, there, there are a couple of quick comments here uh, from the chat that I just want to read briefly because I think they're great. Uh, one comes from RoboWitch, which says, Doing a little reading around, the immersive sim definition is focused on first-person role-playing game, multiple approaches, focused on interaction. We, we can use that as a working definition. We can, you know, some other podcast, we will do a Brooklyn definition, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But but uh, that works for me as like a work, a general rough I disagree definition. with it, but we'll move on. All right, all right. It's, There's no it's reason. Fine. Okay. It's fine. There's no reason it needs to be first person. I know. I understand. I'm with you. I'm, I'm not married to it. I'm just saying, like, I, I, for, for our purposes today. Well, let's today. move on. You're married to it? Okay. All right, anyway. The link ain't no immersive sim. I don't think it is either, but I don't think that that's... Uh, All right. Up, uh, I'm sorry. I'll just read the other comment, and then we'll go into the letters. Uh, Rose Prince Trey says something. Uh, something that's important for me in immersive sims is being able to live and carve out a moment in these spaces. Like, my favorite part of Hitman 2016 is just being in these locations and being able to just sit there and let the world breathe. Chill at this French party, sit on the Sapienza beach, go do yoga at this Hokkaido spa. Acting like a normal person in the most fleshed out spaces is weirdly fun to me. And absolutely 100% yes, I will often go and look at every like poster in every every mm-hmm. immersive sim I ever play. Or any like even even something like Alien Isolation, which you could, you could maybe argue is straining on the definition, but could even be in there. We might have a letter on this. Uh, but like, I, I need to see everything, and I like to pretend I'm just kind of there. That's the thing I do, too. Maybe maybe we're weird, Rose Prince Trey, but whatever. Mm-hmm. We're wonderful. So I'm going to read our first question. We got some real good ones in here. I don't know if we're going to get to all of them, but let's try to do our best. Uh, this we first have eight minutes, so we will not be getting. Okay, to well, let's uh, let's hit the first one, and maybe we'll get past the first one. I don't know. Uh, I decided to finally play Dishonored Two, this Dishonored Hallows Eve, and I'm loving it, obviously. But the news fills me with grim thoughts about the future of these types of video games. I assume they're talking about uh, Robert Earing's post here, uh, being the news, like the thing we were all discussing. I don't believe this form will go away completely, though. It will probably just transform in some ways, which leads me to my question. What parts of the immersive sim do you think should be sacrificed in order to save it from dying? And their answer here is creating crazy amounts of unique assets and investing huge amounts of time into level design are only some of the reasons these games seem to be unsustainable. Maybe arcane-style games are unnecessarily polished, and so make this uh, gem of a genre sink like Atlantis <laughs> under all its glory. Oh, oh um, I think it's. I think it's... I don't know. Like I, I, it's it's budget is what it, is what yeah. needs to be reduced, which could be art assets, but it could also be having a combat team, or it could be having a team dedicated to hacking and hacking mini games, and like maybe a much more straightforward thing is just like it's a, it's it goes back to Bioshock one of just like very combat focused. Even when you have hacking, it's just yeah. turning a drone onto enemies that you still have to kill to advance into another room, um, and getting rid of like that stuff. Like it, it's scale in in the way that we talked about it before is is my gut. Yeah, I I pretty much agree with that. Or Although, the opposite. I'll say, yeah, go ahead. Go no, ahead, I'll Rob. just say size and length. Uh, yeah. A lot of these games that we, we talked about uh, have actually been like longer than they strictly needed to be. Mm-hmm. Like I think there's uh, a reason people yeah. had tons of like really fond memories of Knife of Dunwall and uh, Brigmore Witches, and that is because they were like, um, you know, condensed reader versions of Dishonored, and they were also really really good and had uh, very little fat on them. So I, I think one one thing that sort of makes this genre both uh, more burdensome to develop for and uh, more difficult for people to play is that some of these games are just kind of huge. Um, the other thing that we could do is the other way, which is you could fix budget uh, not only by cutting, but by adding something. You know what you could add? Okay. Immersive sims. Hats. Tap oh my head boy. three times. Hats. If you add a hat to a game, you don't need to get a budget from anywhere else. Loot boxes. Loot boxes. Just add come some loot boxes. Sim. That's all you oh, gotta you- do. You have a limited inventory space, but what's this? You have one extra box that can carry as many things as you want, but you have to get that stuff from a loot box. It's called the Quantum Entanglement Box. And if you spend $7.99 for one Quantum Entanglement Box, you'll get at least up to two epic 
like ammo clips. Now I understand it's consumable. When you fire those bullets, they disappear forever. But they didn't take up any space in your inventory, which means you can keep that sniper rifle around because finally you have a place to hold that ammo. I'm gonna throw up. I'm gonna throw up. We're going to the next question. <laughs> also, just hats. Just give just Adam hats. Jensen a hat. Cover up his bad hair. You know, he he's, he he needs a hat. Bro needs a hat. I need a hat right now. He didn't now, ask for that, so but he did ask for this hat. <laughs> but, yes. Dude, I didn't ask for this. You didn't like his hat. You know, that's what happened. All right. <laughs> All right, one more question. We'll get to one I more. I didn't hat for this. I didn't hat for this. Huh? He's, you have to say it all slurry. Like, huh? he's super drunk. I didn't hat for this. I hate this. That's how it is. Okay. Ugh. Hey, Waypointers. I've got a mostly love them or hate them relationship with immersive sims. I'm the relatively small group of people that adored, all caps, adored, alien isolation despite its length. My man. Or woman, I don't know. Or, or non-binary person. My person. That's what I'm gonna say. Yet more often than not, I bounce Could off. Could be an AI, actually. Could be an AI. So we might want to that out. Too, right? I, you know, uh, personhood. My entity. There we go. My entity. Thank you, my friend. My friend. There we go. Friend. Yay. We did it. We spoke, four minutes. We spoke. Okay, friends. Danielle. I'm sorry, guys. Yet more often than not, I bounce off hallowed favorites like Deus Ex and System Shock. I have never been able to figure out why uh, some will stick with me for years and others are just impenetrable. Is there a single feature that makes an immersive sim stick for you? Is an immersive sim just a walking sim with violence? And what does that say about immersion? And what is the best immersive sim? And why is it alien isolation? (laughs) All right. My gut is just like you like alien. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Which is cool. Like, it's okay to just be like, the theming on this game is dope. The aesthetic is cool. I love space. It's also actually scary. Unlike, oh, unlike a, a lot of, that's a good point. Unlike a lot of horror games, it's actually scary. Like, well, it, also it's unlike a lot of very, immersive sims, where you yeah. get enough abilities to just make you safe and like powerful. You're never safe in that game. Like, knock it down to easy, you're still gonna die a thousand times in that game. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think fear might be a factor for you, or like the amount of intensity might be a factor for you. I think that's an incredibly intense game. You can play Immersive Sims in a way that is somewhat less intense. You can play it in a way that is intense. Yeah, see, many paths. Well, you also, you know, it flips the script in that you never become the master of the environment. That's true. Absolutely true. Yeah, you're... The master of the environment is the creature that you're... The ultimate AI guard. (laughs) Right, right. I think also, just real quick, uh, like, it's incredibly immersive because it took so many cues from the original Alien film that there was something kind of magical about playing Alien Isolation because it was like, holy shit, all of this is real now in a way that it hadn't been before. And I think so it it used the elements of the immersive sim to make the theme resonate uh, really intensely in a way a few other games can. Yeah. Uh, Are they just walking sims with violence? No. No, no. I think there's a lot more going on systemically, Uh, especially if you're playing them fairly non-violently. Well, I guess my question is like, is there an immersive sim? Is there are there non-violent immersive sims? Not games where you don't have to be violent. And is that a reality of trying to sell it to millions of people, or is that games don't? That's my gut. I mean, there's a there's a fantastic quote in here from Harvey Smith that I wish we had a little bit more time, but he talks about wanting to do immersive sims that are non-violent. That's a very specific quote that's in here. I'd love mm-hmm. to see the immersive sim that's not based around combat, perhaps around uh, surveillance. The immersive sim that's not set in a fantasy world that's set outside the window here. The immersive sim set on voyeurism. The immersive sim set on watching your kid grow up. There's like a hundred different ways, things you can imagine. There's much, much more that can be done with this other than I'm trapped in this environment. I'm running out of food and bullets. Monsters are coming. Good luck. This yeah, is the thing that that's sucks. the thing. It's selling, <laughs> it, it's selling it to an audience that <sighs> wants to shoot but things. I, I, <laughs> right? I don't. I, I would rather us, I don't know, like, this is why, like, yes, Gone Home is in this lineage to me. Yes, yeah. Firewatch is in this lineage to me. And it kills me to think we would all say that more readily if there were, if you shot at bears in Firewatch or if there had been <laughs> zombies that you had to sneak around. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I, the homophobia again, of the me. high school is manifested as a bunch of monstrous children zombies who are around the gone home house, and you have right, to shoot exactly. them. You have to shoot them. Now it's an emergency. You shoot sick. the homophobia I, in the face. Yeah. 
yeah, it's it's def that's definitely what it is for me. Is like I I want there to be more of that stuff. Yes. Uh, break away from guns. I fully agree. Guns are break on through to the other side. Guns are fucking boring. I'm sorry. You're I like, bad but too. also I like guns. Like I want to play Stalker really bad, and the guns in that game are dope. So Austin, I like guns. Walker. <laughs> Fuck. There it is. Don't There's tell. our quote from this podcast. Yeah. PewDiePie is gonna tweet about me now. That's cool. it. Cool. Cool. Good. <laughs> Good guy. Uh, oh. We lost our audio. My microphone died. Oh my god. Well, also no? it's 1:30. Yeah, you know what? We ran out of time anyway. This was a literal thing. You know, your mic died, and that means the podcast is over. We just got to cast until the mic dies. So, uh, uh, my actual microphone works, so the people listening to us on the podcast are like, but I can still hear him. It's not because I've made a direct connection with your mind space. It's yes, because it this is. microphone is still plugged in. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, cool. We have to end anyway, so thank you all so much for those of you who wrote in. We'll just uh, we'll bring those other questions back into the larger bucket. We'll see what happens with those. Uh, and you can send questions to gaming at vice.com with the subject question shout out to bowen for letting us use his track miss you off the ep pale machine and of course you can read all kinds of really cool uh waypoint things listen to our stuff watch our stuff on uh facebook it's uh waypoint vice on facebook it's waypoint vice on youtube we're at waypoint on twitter i think that handles it austin is at austin underscore walker on twitter i am at danielle ri patrick where can people find you at fuck the Dodgers. Okay, cool. All right, that sounds good. <laughs> Natalie, Natalie just lost it. Nat- I hear <laughs> Natalie laughing in the background. She a Dodgers fan? From Is that just a oh, oh boy. So she, in said, other words, uh, she, she just she said, "This is our year." That's what that's what every team thinks <laughs> until it ain't. Immersive sim for baseball. I will play the shit out of that. I'm just saying, Rob. Where can people find you? Uh, at the top of the fifth inning in game five against the uh, Washington Nationals. Oh, that's, good. that's a long Twitter handle. That must be like a new thing. They allow 180 <laughs> characters in your handle and not just like in your tweet. That's, that's pretty rad. All right, well, thank you all so much for listening. You're all wonderful. You're all beautiful. I'm going to remind you to be good and be good at it. Peace. Fuck. <laughs> your mic is broken. No, it's not. Peace. No, you see, your mic is broken. It's not So broken. I have to say it. You, I have to. I got you, Austin. I will carry the piece you to Mordor. You are talking to me. Yes, but your mic is broken, so I'm making sure we got this. Peace. And also with you. <laughs>